Hello, some very quick updates before we roll part two on Dyatlov here. Our show is doing very well, and you guys are a big part of that. We can't thank you enough. However, with growth comes change, and as a result, we're going to be rearranging some things behind the scenes. Why am I telling you this? Because our app, which we've been touting voraciously for several months now, is about to be orphaned. It was built for us by our current hosting company, and we're about to migrate away from them, so we'll no longer be allowed to update it. This is a major bummer for us, but in our efforts to be ready for the future, we're making some changes. So sometime within the next few episodes, you may notice that our old app is no longer updating. It's our understanding that it will still be available for a while, but that new shows will not be posting to it. And boy, are we glad we did not charge you for it. In other news, we are proud to be newly affiliated with Audioboom. They, too, have a free app for your mobile device, and we are very easily found there. So if having an app is your favorite way of listening to our show, download Audioboom's app, and you can be listening to not only us, but thousands of other available shows in minutes. One last note, after this show, we are taking a one-week production hiatus to sort out some administrative stuff, including our Patreon page, and with any luck, the store, finally. That means our next new show will be on October 9th in three weeks. I don't know why we thought this one was going to be like an hour and a half. <laughs> Any idea? You know what? Because when we started, it's not that it seemed cut and dried, but we start with one thing. It's like, well, these people were massively freaked out and so terrified that they ran from the tent. Well, that's not all of it. No. I think that's the central kernel of it. That is, that's what we know. But everything around it, man. <laughs> Welcome back to Astonishing Legends with Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. An unknown compelling force should be considered the cause of the hikers' deaths. Lev Ivanov, lead prosecutor, Dyatlov Pass. Join us tonight for part two of our two-part special on the Dyatlov Pass mystery. It has been said by Yuri and some other folks as well that everything leads back to the tent. Again, the tent looks peaceful, like they might be returning here and going to heat up the cocoa again. Everything looks in place except it's partially collapsed and there's this giant torn rip. Yes, there's a couple of giant tears in the back of the tent. And initially they all thought that somebody had tried to cut their way into the tent. Well, yeah, that makes the most sense. And so these guys right. scattered so was, was to get it out. soldiers? What's coming after them? Right. Or is it a bear claw? Although yeah. there were no tracks of right. any kind of animals. Well, eventually they had this woman who was a forensic expert in materials take a look at the tears in the tent. And she looked at them under, I guess, a, a microscope or magnifying glass. I'm not sure what she did, but I saw the diagrams of her analysis. And she concluded that the cuts had happened from inside the tent. This is one of the most startling facts in the story. It's one of the most famous facts in the story. It's like one of the things I tell you is like, again, we compared this to JFK in the U.S., you know, the magic bullet theory, whatever. One of the things that people probably will always bring up to you in Russia is that the cuts are coming from inside the tent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's hard to make jokes about this scenario. But she, she was able to show that the way that the material had been cut that was that they did come from inside the tent. So this begs a whole new series of questions especially in a tent that was found to be very orderly and well-arranged. What kind of scenario is arising? Yeah. I mean, I just... It, 
this just baffles case, you. I know. This, yeah, I've yeah. never been so like when I we've looked at something even since we've started this show and a lot of other things that I've dug into before we started recording Astonishing Legends. You know what I think happened? This, that, and the other. And there's some yeah. things that I just couldn't figure out. Even with the Mothman, it's one of my favorite stories. Right, I'm like, right. maybe that was mass hysteria, and there's the Sandhill Crane theory and all that stuff. But yeah. there's always some kind of little out that you can take, even though I believe that the Mothman phenomena is way more real than a lot of things. Yeah. And, you know, I guess we're probably just lost <laughs> in listeners, right? I'm the, I'm the fringy guy. Yeah. But, but this story just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And I mean, it spirals down a weird hole and every bit of new information you get confounds the piece before it. Right. And it gets fringy and you can go in the direction of the mundane, the prosaic. The picture we're trying to paint here is that escaping from the tent in this manner, in a, a moment of sheer terror, because that's what we're describing would have taken for these people to do that. Yes. Which is so uncharacteristic for them. People so who ridiculous. stared down a herd of wild horses yeah. running at them. Yeah. So what we do know is that there has got to have been something so horrifying at the front of that tent or something preventing them from going out the front normally because, it, again, it wasn't or freezing rain. one of them. You're, you're implying that they all left together. Or what if one of them had gone crazy or lost their mind? Like what you're saying is, oh, well, they all went out the back. We don't even know that. Maybe just one of them went out the back. Who is the one person that went out the back? Well, or did if, they go out as somebody, a group? Yeah, again, and if they we went don't out know. as a group, why right. did they all scatter into three separate Well, exactly. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying is that if somebody had a freak out, slash their way through the tent to get out, not all of them are going to go follow this guy or lady to go bring them back. Procedures were broken here. They left without shoes. Right. Who does that? You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's little – again, this is like a crime scene some of them with had, no answer. Some of them had matches. Uh, one, At least one had a compass yeah. on them. But they probably always had those things on their person. Well, one of them had a camera, okay? That yes, was, uh, that's the other thing. You had one go with a camera. And this is another thing, too, about Igor Dyatlov. He was very methodical, and he had some rules. And one of his rules was on these hiking trips, at least on another hiking trip, was that everyone had to take their boots off and wash their feet, whether they had warm water or <laughs> yeah. not. Every night, everyone would wash their feet. Well, that's just, <laughs> that's just nice for everybody. Yeah, it is. And yeah. it's, it's kind of a funny thing. You know, you make a little joke about it, but one of the things that occurred to me is maybe the reason they all had their shoes off was because they were about to do that. And oh, sure. when whatever happened, happened, well, it was because, oh, we're going to do the foot washing and then we're going to eat. Right. So whatever happened that caused them to scatter to the wind, yeah. it was right on the on the heels of that. Well, again, there's all these little interesting things because, okay, sure, that was about to happen. But these people know that you're not going to last very long outside without shoes. So it's still better to be inside the tent. Now, if you have to leave the tent, for God's sakes, you're going to take your shoes and all of your clothing and as much gear as you can grab in five seconds. I think this all adds up to a moment of extreme confusion and panic and terror. Yes. Abject terror yeah. on the magnitude that we can't even really imagine. Right. Maybe one guy is like, screw that. I'm not going out the front. I'm going to take the, <laughs> I'm going to save one second and go out the side here right. or the back. But there's something weird about them not going out the front. If they heard an avalanche approaching, there's rumbling, there's signs. They're all very experienced in this. If there's something other than a natural thing, a tornado, these are some of the other theories that have been Tornadoes, avalanches, UFOs, glowing orbs, right. Yeti. Yeti, another yeah. big one. We need to talk a little bit about all of them. Right. So we're going to get to that. But yeah. what we're saying is that this is the point here that scatters them all. 
And then once this danger, apparent danger, passes, it looks as though they realize they have to get back to the tent for survival. So there's really two phases. One, get away from the tent. Yeah, and then now it's safe. Let's get back. And now it's safe. It seems like it would be safe for whatever reason. And by the way, that safety is something that they felt like they could judge from almost a mile away. Yes. Which is something that's only occurring to me just now. (laughs) Right this second. Yeah, because if they're saying, hey, we should head back towards the tent, we're about a mile away from it, then that might imply that whatever event it was, they could tell from that far away that it had passed. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is like they, sorry, they re- I have to like I have to just let that soak in for me because it <laughs> had not occurred to me until this right. very moment. That's one of the fun things about researching a show like this is when you stumble across something that hadn't occurred to you and that you haven't read that it occurred to anybody else. Yeah. They're point nine three miles away, northeast down this slope, yeah. away from the tent. It wasn't easy to get back. No. In this panic, you could say like, well, I could just follow the, I could follow the tracks back or something. But look, I've been out in the woods in, in conditions like that, not that bad and not really in that moment of, of an emergency. Okay. And I hope I never have to be, but you are now disoriented and you realize very quickly that you're not going to make it very long unless you get back to that tent where food and shelter are. And I believe that's what they try to do. Now, the people in the ravine, that I'm not really so clear on because it seems like whatever they were trying to get away from... They kept going further and further until either they stumbled into this ravine or sought protection from the natural depression in the ground to hide yeah. or something. So I don't know what happened, but it seems like they kept going further into the woods until they hit the ravine, and then they got banged up pretty badly. Well, and Rustic, who was coming up the hill, he was not in the ravine, but he had yeah. a head injury, right? right? Right, And his injuries, according to the forensic analysis on that site that was taken down that got disappeared, but that we have yeah. access to the archived version of, which right. is in our show notes, a link to that. One of the things that almost comically the person said who did the analysis of his damage was that he would have had to fall down and hit his head over and over again yeah. on yeah. both sides. Right. His head injuries don't explain themselves yeah. in terms of clumsiness. It's like, no, there's no way that he was that clumsy. Now, let's start looking a little bit at the theories. We've, yeah, let's let's because that that'll take a while. So yeah. let let's get through these because some have more, I think, validity than others. But several of them are actually plausible to me, but maybe not the most plausible. Well, when you start digging in, they become less and less plausible, in my opinion. Yeah, let's take a look at one of the first and most obvious ones. A lot of people are like, well, how about an avalanche? If they heard the thunder and sound of an avalanche, which is something they certainly would be familiar with, they would have procedures for how to deal with it. It's it's entirely possible that they would flee the tent quickly. Well, this is the thing in the general area of Sverdlovsk Oblast. Okay, so this, these things happen. However, they're not in a very steep area. Exactly. Yes, it's on the side of the slope, but the slope is very kind of gradual. That's it's why they decided good. to camp on it. Exactly. It's not a dangerous slope. It's not the kind of slope that would be prone to an avalanche. In fact... There's a mathematical analysis for that that it does not qualify for in terms of the degrees of the right. incline and everything. So Donnie Eicher, who went there for his book, Dead Mountain, was actually like standing here. You can tell this is not an avalanche type scenario. Kind of right off the bat, in my opinion, you can rule out the possibility of an avalanche. On top of that, the tent was still there. Yeah, it wasn't. It had there's a little snow a, on the roof. Right. But there's not it, a huge debris field. You don't no. want to go see an avalanche. Watch the new movie coming out, Everest, you yeah. know, where they're dealing with things like that. Basically, you have a lot of debris, branches some rocks, dirt, it all gets mixed up, but it looks very chaotic afterwards. This was not the scene that they came upon 10, 15 days later on the 26th. Exactly. 
that's the avalanche theory. We've dismissed it fairly quickly. If you want to believe in it, there's all kinds of things you can read about it. But in our opinion, there's not a whole lot to it. Right. What should we talk about next? Oh, well, go to, go to the next natural... Natural phenomenon? I don't know, tornadoes, but... Well, yeah, there's, that... there's some theories about tornadoes, and, and without saying too much about Iker's book, which he comes to a conclusion at the end of the book, relating to something called infrasound. Yeah. And we're not going to get into it a whole lot here, but suffice it to say that infrasound is like infrared light. It's sound that you can't hear, but that has an effect on you, which infrared light doesn't have an effect on you, but infrasound yeah. can have an effect on you. And he came to a conclusion along with some people at the NOAA that this might have occurred and caused them to all to freak out and run out of the tent. Well, look, this is this is one of the bigger things, and we certainly want to respect his conclusion because there's also, we'll have a talk at Google with him in it. Yes. And you can see that. And, you know, he doesn't want to give it away, and I, I totally understand that. Yeah, and we're not, that's the reason we're not getting super specific about it or how he came to the conclusion because it is a very yeah. well thought out conclusion oh, with diagrams and all that stuff. And the book is outstanding. It is yeah, a very well written book. Exactly. If you still need to read it because us telling you, like what, whatever he thinks is going on at the end really doesn't do it justice yeah. because he really – everything else about this story, he nails down as best as I think anybody could. Well, so, I felt like after I read it that I had been there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like he did. I yeah. mean it's a tremendous amount of effort. You know, And I don't mind saying this now because it is one of the major theories now that this has kind of come out is that due to the nature of the way the hills are and the cliffs and where they were, wind kind of barreling down into this – it wasn't really a valley, but again, it's the side of a slope. Yes. May produce vibrations. Yeah, think of howling wind. Think of, you know, that hound of the Baskervilles and howling wind and all that kind of stuff. You're thinking of this stuff, but it's it's functioning on a level that actually is beneath your ability to hear it, but is still having a profound effect on you physically, mentally, and in every possible way. So much so that this technique has actually been weaponized by several governments at this point. There are now these sonic cannons that I believe cruise ships use to ward off pirates, like in the Malacca Straits and in Somalia. They have these cannons on the deck that they can point at the pirates, and it's supposed to – you know, I don't know if it's technically infrasound, but it oh, no, I think makes th them turn yeah. the boats around. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, what, what, what happens – and essentially what's, what's going on here, if you want to get technical, is it's creating – in fluid dynamics, it's called a carbon vortex street. And so what's yes. happening is that – it's wind, the natural phenomenon of wind, and this happens at, on sand dunes, is that you can perceive a kind of humming, or sometimes what they call singing telephone lines, and it's producing a harmonic vibration that's under 20 hertz, which is the bottom of human hearing. So, you know, whales and elephants communicate with these low grumbles. They're huge beasts. And you, you'll hear this like, you know, kind of thing. But and you can't hear all of it. You can hear some of it at certain frequencies. But anything below 20 hertz, the human ear stops hearing it. But what they found is that if you were to hear that consistently, it can sometimes, in some people, a very strange effect, which is feelings of dread, fear, yes. panic, confusion, all these things. Now, the point 22 is... 22% of people. Well, exactly. They, they've done studies on this where they did a faux concert here of four different uh, harmonic pieces to 700 people, and some of them they, they laid in. By the way, just quickly, Iker yeah. talks about this in his book. Oh, he does. You found, yes, I just wanted to make it clear what you just also I found it independently. You found it independently, yeah. yes. Well, actually, <laughs> go to, start looking up infrasound on the web and Wikipedia, and you'll find these experiments that have been done. Now, the point we're making here is that, yes, it has these these effects on people. Now, I've heard, I read the story, maybe in, in relation to an Edgar Casey book. A university team had, and I've told you this before, possibly constructed this giant what it was like a, a referee's whistle imagine that with a giant wind fan blowing air through this thing so it's creating this you know this giant hum 
And what happened was that it incapacitated everybody around it. Yes. I mean, people fell to the ground, vomiting, just shaking. Yeah, it knocked you to the ground, and it had this tremendous effect on you at these very low vibrations. Now, it's also attributed to some, they think, to some people seeing ghosts, because what it's doing is vibrating the fluid and your eyeball at such a frequency that out of the corner of your eye, you may start to see like a weird gray blob. Right. And and it can happen with uh, air conditioning units or air intake units in certain buildings. So they think certain buildings have this, and that's why they think they're haunted. Excellent. There you go. Is that yes. enough? Yes, that's yeah, enough. Chew on that. Yeah, yeah chew on that. No, so, but, okay. That's a natural phenomenon. Natural phenomenon. These, are, these are the two that we're going to talk about, the avalanches, yeah. the, the possibility of a naturally occurring infrasound, which we don't feel like it's a viable explanation to what caused all of them to panic. Exactly. Because with the concert that, that Forrest didn't actually finish describing, but yeah. at this concert, they played classical music and they played several songs. And some of the songs, they played amplified infrasound during the song. Yeah, they switched them up so it would be random. And then they polled the audience to see how they were reacting to it. First of all, no one ran out of the theater. <laughs> exactly. No one panicked, whatever. But 22% of people did describe having symptoms. That's why we said 22%. So the point is just 22% is a lot different from nine people. If you have nine people present and nine people run out of a tent, that's 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And again, maybe one person freaks out. Oh, my gosh, aliens are attacking. Yes. And maybe in some theories they think yeah. that that was happening. But this person freaks out, rips open the tent. Well, they're not all going to go fleeing after this guy out in the middle of a snowstorm here. Yeah. So that doesn't make total sense to me that it would be so extreme to all nine people at an exact moment of sheer terror and panic yes. to a degree where they acted like they did. I agree. Okay. I agree. So moving on to yes. – let's – where are we going next? Are we going to orbs, UFOs, Oof. Yeti? Let's do, uh, let's do Yeti. Let's talk it, about the Yeti. Okay. Well, first of all, it's there's fun. this photo. Yes. There's a couple of photos. Yeah, but the one photo, which <laughs> yeah. I tweeted from our Twitter account, which, by the way, if you're not following us, we, we do a lot of fun tweets on our Twitter account, yes. which just look for Astonishing Legends on Twitter. It is actually missing a few vowels, but if you search <laughs> without, if you search it the, way, the right way, it still yeah. comes up. Right. Uh, we're also on Instagram. We're also on Facebook with our own page for Astonishing Legends, and we uh, tend to have fun posting stuff relating to our pending stories. One of the things that we posted was this picture – from one of the cameras on the expedition of this thing in the woods. It's very yeah. soft-focused, and you can see, as all Bigfoot Yeti pictures are. <laughs> and, you know, Forrest yeah. made a super good point today, which I never thought about. This is so great. It's either too soft or way too sharp. <laughs> in both cases, you think yeah. it's fake. <laughs> well, no, exactly. And we talked about this before, and I think it was late at night. Maybe, maybe I blew your mind, man. Yeah. But, but there's two things about this. One is that, yes, if it's too sharp and crisp, people, oh, come on. This is, yeah. like, this is way, that's high def. No, this can't be possibly real. This is stage. It's set up. Yeah. If it's too blurry, it's like, oh, look how blurry this is. This is terrible. I can't see it. Yeah. So the other point I was making, again, what I was alluding to when we had this discussion is that you're not debating the fakiness or the photoshoppiness of the photo. You're really debating the existence of Bigfoot or UFOs. Yes. That's what you're talking about. Because, Who we all know is an interdimensional being. <laughs> well, of course. Well, you know what? And they're, and they're tied in with other phenomena that people see as well. My point being is that Tree if, yeah, well, if you see a Bigfoot photo and you say, well, that looks super fake, but you don't believe in Bigfoot at all, it's like, well, what does that matter? The photo absolutely has to be fake because Bigfoot does not exist. Right. So that's kind of one point I was leading to. Yes. But the one that they see in this is not, yeah, it's not the baggy, furry pants, really. It's really kind of odd. It's it a, does yeah. have a very strange posture to it. 
And it's almost Patterson film like. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. and the Patterson film was after this, wasn't it? Ooh, good ooh, well, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's yeah. That's the seventies. Right. That definitely, right? I think yeah, it's, it's after this. It's got to yeah. be after this. Yeah. 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 So this predates the Patterson film. Right. In fact, you could almost say that this figure... Oh, this inspired, figure inspires if they, if they the found out film. about it, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. there's something else really important to note here, which goes back to these kids and their nature. In these photos, when you look at them, all of them, and again, we have links to the pictures and, and we're publishing some. And the Yeti one we already posted on our Twitter feed so you can find it there or whatever. Yeah. We found a good quality copy of it too. Yes, yeah, we so did. We have a high-resolution copy of it, which we'll be sharing. But in these, what you find out from this group of kids and, – and I say group of kids. There was the one 37-year-old, which by the way, you're going to have to talk about him. In a yes, bit. yes. The World War II vet. Yeah. With the tattoos and the gold teeth. <laughs> and um, the camera around his in neck. In the camera, yes. Which he was found dead with. But yes. Yeah. Why, he, he fled the tent with a camera. Not no a sh- shoes. No shoes. But a camera. Right. Anyway, coming back to the Yeti and this Yeti picture and this weird, strange thing that you see, these guys loved to have fun with the camera. They loved to goof around. There's actually several shots of one of them. I'm not sure which one it is, but he's laying in the snow in a state of faux distress, yes. pretending to be frozen Please in the rescue snow. me, kind of a thing. Yeah. Not is, exactly dead. It's a little bit morbid when you think about the connection. Yeah, absolutely. But he is like, oh, I've fallen. I need help. You yes. Know? And yeah. so when we found the collections of pictures from the expedition, the ones that – and we're not exactly sure why they're grouped the way they are, but we right. think they're grouped the way they are because they came from certain cameras. And the reason we're not sure is because the entire website is in Russian <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and we're translating with Google and it's yeah. it's not – It's uh, pretty good. Yeah. We'll, we'll, have some, good. we'll have some links. You'll be able to follow it. You really yeah. will be able to follow the story. But it's not abundantly clear no. if those pictures are related. But on that site, the Yeti picture – is right next to the ones where the guy's pretending to be buried in the snow. And on top of that, there's another picture where one of them is like bent over really weird yeah. in the snow where it's like, wait, is he pretending to be a Yeti? And then they yeah. were like, no, this one's too clear. So <laughs> then they move him out way in the distance, yeah. you know, maybe put on some extra jackets. Right. It does seem like – and this is something Tess actually suggested too, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I'm with her on this. They could have been just goofing around doing well, this Yeti they story. Had a, uh, I think what she said was that – they were kind of making up this fake newspaper to give out to their friends called the or Torton Times That's or right. something. That was something and in the they science section, writing. it's like you know they're doing a, a goof of like Yeti do exist and scientists are confounded and must study this thing further, something like that. That's right. And uh, it's not so maybe it's they're not doing some the pictures to go right. in the science section of their fake newspaper. Maybe, but it was the last photo on the roll, which put some creepiness to it. Again, all these little things oh, are maybe lining that was up. just happenstance. Let's take this <laughs> silly picture and then we got to get hiking. Possibly. I could see them being silly, but when you're at this leg of the trip here, I don't see Igor putting up with a lot of silliness. Maybe a little – some lightheartedness, but yeah, well, he's no, not going to – He was going to – he would let them take breaks and goof yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he's goofing off himself. It, it, well, pictures. that's the thing. It, it may not be anybody goofing off. He's just somebody wearing very dark clothing, all, all uniform, and it looks like he's probably got a ski or some kind of cloth It's a freaky face. picture. It's a freaky picture because that's for sure. you don't see – and the other ones, what Scott was talking about leading up to it, he's in the snow. He's doing a weird pose, but you can see his face. Yeah. He's just wearing kind of darkish clothing, but that may be a little bit due to the exposure. Now, the last one he's talking about, it's out of focus because – the depth of field is way off. The focus is on the trees that are in the foreground. And so everything in the background the is way, out of focus. these are very adept photographers. I can totally see them being like, wait, I'm going to rack you out because yeah, – right, you know, right. So, not- you don't, again, it's an unknown thing. Now, there are a lot of people who do believe in the Yeti 
theory. And there's another photo. We can't attribute it to anything, but there's a footprint in the snow with an ice pick next to it. Yeah, but is that uh, from the group's I pictures? don't know. See, that's I know what it, it comes up, and this is part of the murkiness of, right. of, of any story this old when you start Googling it. You stumble across all kinds of – it's kind of like when you go to like, hey, I'm going to watch the Hamster Dance on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> you go and you search yeah. the Hamster Dance yeah. Yeah. and 50 videos come up and right. it, they're all these horrific abominations <laughs> it's a, of variations yes. on the original and yeah. quite frankly perfect original right, exactly. of Hamster Dance. Yes, of course. So, and that's what happens, especially when you start getting these conspiracy stuff and there's, you know, there's well, all kinds of people that are like – Speaking of know, that though, I do believe that some things have been omitted. And well, there's no it, question the government was yeah, redacting things. Again, your favorite word. I want, you, I want you to get a personalized plate that says redacted. <laughs> well, it would have to be black. Part of it would be blacked out. Yeah, so right. they, like, maybe the state and I get arrested. But yeah. no, the point is, is that the people at the time believed this. The people to this day believe this. And yes, they've released a lot of documents so far, but not everything. And so that just fuels more and more theories. And what it also well, does... A, just quickly, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, I know ahead. I'm interrupting you and some of our listeners complain about it, but Forrest <laughs> and I are okay with interrupting yeah, yeah, each yeah, other, yeah. just so you I know. I can't get a word in edgewise. Anyways, uh, there's so. a camera missing and a diary missing. Yes. Just yes. for the record. Exactly. There is a camera missing and a diary missing. Right. I believe that's official, is yes. that uh, some they don't know what happened to it. But I believe when you see a page... Now, the other thing I think uh, Tess found, and I think maybe found some corroboration with is is that in one of the girls' diaries, it said, so now we know that snowmen are real. That's right. With nothing else around it, not like, oh, and by the way, this is the funny... She actually said Yeti, didn't she? uh, Yes. Or Or Mink. 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 M-E-N-K? Yes, Mink, which is... Yeah, it's their name for Yeti. Now we know that Mink are real. Yeah, something of of that nature. And uh, not saying, oh, by the way, I meant to put this in the goofball science section of our fake paper. So, again, it's just another mystery. I'm not saying it's it's like, oh, well, she called it out, so it's got to be real. Right. So I'm just saying, it's just another thing that's, like, unsolved. So let's draw yeah. this whole picture. Okay. They're camping. They stop for a break. They see something crazy in the woods. It's trailing them. It's actually tracking them. Right. It's a Yeti. They yeah. take that weird picture of it, but for whatever reason, it, it vanishes. They can't go after it, which is the case in every Bigfoot or Yeti sighting. Yeah. Once you see it and it sees you, if it wants to be gone, it's gone, if you believe in this sort of thing. Yeah. So now they go on. They go on to their campsite. They're camping, and she's making a journal entry somewhere. She's saying, now we know that the Yeti is real right. because she saw the Yeti. To be fair, she's a pretty descriptive writer. She also enjoys taking creative license in writing. So you would have think if she actually saw something that she would have been more descriptive. We were here X, Y, and Z. Just in the woods, we saw this thing, blah, 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 blah. But let's just say it was just that one line. And then let's say they went and made camp, and then this thing came out of the woods and attacked (laughs) the hell out of them. Well, you know. uh, And they were already afraid because they all were aware that it had been seen a little bit earlier. Right. Right. And they, when they thought it was upon them and they heard something outside the tent, they scattered in every possible direction. Yeah. And the ones that uh, – the two that fell into the ravine and their rib cages were damaged, there were no outward contusions right. or sign of damage. Right. But uh, or you look at uh, Rustic, whose head was damaged. Maybe it just attacked him. Yeah. And the rest of them fled like crazy while it was beating him in the head. Yeah. And this is – if this thing is real, it's a wild animal. It doesn't have a logic to, oh, I've got to get them all. It's not doing a surgical strike. It's just no. I'm going to beat this one Get person. out of my area. Yeah, get out of my area. Yeah. The other ones run away and he's trying to survive it and then it, it goes away because it's like I've made my point and yeah. – this is a possible scenario if you believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> right, if, if you believe that <laughs> that is possible at all. Now, this is the thing. Major external injuries were found on Dubanina, 
and and some of the other people who had, who had blood on their faces. Right, there's some and that's, weird that's, blood uh, on their hands. Luda, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my my point is like, and I'm not a huge Bigfoot aficionado. Uh, but what, from what I've Surprising, read... Surprising, isn't that, coming well, from us? For me, you probably know as much more about it than I do. You've certainly seen more shows on it. I've I, watched I, oh, it. And I'm going to ask you this question. The, uh, oh, Les Stroud? Yeah, the Les okay. Stroud series yes. he did on Bigfoot was yeah. pretty awesome. i got to be honest. If you are not one of those people that's already turned this off because we've mentioned the <laughs> because word we Bigfoot... Because we've mentioned Yeti, click, click, click. Yeah. No, you're, like, you're <laughs> clicking your iPod, I, that you know, iPhone. That series that uh, Les Stroud did, Survivor Man, did a series where he was trying to figure out about Bigfoot. And he's actually pretty skeptical. He's well-educated. He takes a very open-minded approach to it. It's a very interesting sure. uh, set of TV shows, if you can find it on Amazon or something. No, but but I was going to ask you, since you have seen a lot of those, yes. that does not seem to me to be the M.O. of Bigfoot. Now, I can't account for all Bigfoot, as I can't account for the, the, the horrible actions of all people. If you believe in Bigfoot, there are no cases of Bigfoot the, attacking a, anyone. Attacking and, and smashing the crap and, and clobbering cases, people. Yeah, they yeah. look at you, they stand their ground. Yeah, they throw rocks. They throw rocks from the darkness. They'll eat your candy bars. And then they leave. Yeah. Or they run away or whatever. But this is the thing. Okay, so so now this, this thing's possibly... So now we're saying... <laughs> this is great. I love this. Yeah. Now we're saying... Well, you know, big big feet. That's He's fine, pretty right? nice. They, they don't do this kind of stuff. No. So if their... you believe in Bigfoot, <laughs> first of all, yeah. how many fences do you have to jump to get around this thing? Right. But well, no. Uh, but but I'm saying they have a horrible howl, don't they? Like a big thundering. Yeah. And I've heard that. They're b- huge. Okay. So say one of them's at if the they're front real. Of, if they're real. <laughs> if that's what people are hearing and sometimes recording. Imagine this thing coming up to the tent and you know, giving the the Wookie yell. Uh, I would cut my way out of the tent. That's what I'm asking you. I mean, I've heard these sounds on recordings, and I believe they're real. But imagine that that thundering, and this thing's going like, what, I'm not going to beat the crap out of you, but I'm going to scare the crap out of you. And goes up to the tent at the front, and like, yeah, we got to get out of here. It's also believed to be more of a sentient type of being, and this is something that people are going to think. Because like with a bear, it's like, oh, be still, don't go outside the tent. It makes sense. Exactly. I'm going to pretend I'm dead, whatever. With this thing that's coming that you think might think like a person, you're going to flee. Yeah. You, yeah, to get away, get into the, you know what, but get into the trees. And again, that's what some people think. Why the two the guys tree. climb the tree? And, and, and I was, uh, I think, wrong earlier. Yeah, it was as high as 15 feet. Right. Which you're either, again, trying to get up high enough to see where your camp was, or you're trying to get away from something that's nine feet tall. Yeah. If you're climbing up 15 feet. Yeah. So uh, the, the, anyway, that's, I don't know. Look, I, I don't know, where, I don't even know where I stand on the, on the Yeti business in that location. Now, I'm from the part of the country that sees a lot of that. And uh, yeah, I don't discount people when they said they saw something weird or Les Stroud trying to find something or they hear tree knocking or a tree stuffed into the ground upside down or, again, it ate your Milky Way, no. whatever it is. I, I can't discount it because it's, I believe that maybe it's possible but I'm not sure about in this scenario. Anyway, yeah. that's where I, I guess I kind of start. All right, there. so we're done with that. Okay. Next. <laughs> what, do you believe in Bigfoot? Sort of. Maybe. I don't know. You'd hope to see one, but only I on don't video. believe. I'm not a debunker. I don't believe it's an outright hoax. Yeah. I think it's possible that people have seen stuff. I think an overwhelming number of cases might just be bears. And I th- well, no, I think people are. Know? Yes, exactly. I kind of, I kind of fall in the same camp as I you do. I still wonder about those one or two things and I've seen a few videos and films that yeah. have been like including that one that you really like that I do like her on I do love it it's, up in the mountain where is that it, one it's a it's let's a, you know I'm just gonna say it now okay. we'll put a link to it you yeah, guys can decide if we can find it's it Forrest's favorite Bigfoot video because you know what it's actually when you look at the setup it's very similar to this yes this group of guys who are mountain helicopter snowboarders and maybe a couple of skiers but they can take a helicopter up to this caldera I keep I'm trying to work that word in yes. every you episode if calderas. I can yeah it basically it's a bowl of snow at the top of this mountain ridge. And there's this 
figure, and again, I'm not saying I know what it is. It's just very odd that this seemingly giant creature, yes. human, wearing all black, and that's the other weird thing, all black ski suit is walking across we don't this know kind of this valley. Ski suit. No, you don't know what it is. No, but it's you just said it's ski. It's no, not wearing it's not, a ski it's, suit. It's, I want to make it clear: it's not a Bigfoot in a ski suit. <laughs> no, I, all I'm Tell saying it is right. that it's, it's all it's all black. What is it's not your yeah. fancy, you know? I was uh, also the thing I want to make clear is that this it's really far away from the camera. It's really far away. But if you hear the guys, and of course there are a bunch of young snowboarder types, and you're like, "What is that? And where is he going? Because there's nowhere to go." Yeah, the thing is, where this creature is is. Human, hunter, whoever it is. You can't get to it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't get to it, and you wouldn't go there even to hunt because right. there's no nothing that, to hunt. The other thing is like they're, they're thinking like – It's the ultimate they, loner, yeah, where whatever this, it is. Yeah, where did this thing come from, and where is it going? Those are the two big questions. And yeah. how did it get there? Because there's it's not like – there's no game up there. It's not really a hunter. Right. If it's a hiker, man, you are way lost, buddy. Yeah. You're going to need a helicopter or snowboard your way down out of there. It's just really out of place. Yes. All anyway, right. so that's – again. So that's, that's for another episode. That's for another episode, but that kind of wraps up the Yeti. Not – I'm not saying I believe in it, but I can't totally rule it out, even as, as wacky and fringy as that sounds. All right, let's talk about the military. Okay. You want KGB, CIA? KGB. There's all kinds of different There's two variations theories. Yeah, yeah. There, there's kind of two areas on that during the Cold War here and the nuclear arms race is that you have two spy agencies working against each other trying to play this game. Yes. And these folks may have been pawns in that. Right. It's also important to note that even Yuri Yudin, the survivor, when he was interviewed by uh, Iker in his book Dead Mountain, he actually talked about an affection for Stalin <laughs> over, yeah, yeah. over Khrushchev. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, a, yeah and even the guy who brought him there was like apparently shaking his head at that. Yeah. You know, the, people have different feelings about things, but you have to remember the climate and that, you know, this is a communist country and the, the Cold War is just starting to get going. So there's a lot of things going on, and spycraft in the Soviet Union is notoriously efficient and also impersonal. Oh, well, no. It's just – look, it's blunt. It's to a point. The means justify the ends. Exactly. But what we're getting at here is that some of the hikers were found, not all of them, but their clothes were irradiated a little bit with levels that are natural – as background radiation. However, they found some articles of clothing with twice the amount That's right. of radiation. Yes, when it's still natural, still not necessarily uh, – certainly nowhere near a fatal dose of radiation. And according to Iker and people that he consulted when he worked on his book, it, it would be nowhere near fatal and it wouldn't be even really be a cause for concern. But it was slightly unusual that the levels on their clothing were twice the level on their skin. So – it, it wouldn't be enough to kill you, but it would be – you wouldn't want to be around it at a career, you know, at a job yeah. all, for a long time. Exactly. And you, you – so what does that mean? Were you in the presence of a dirty bomb or a nuclear detonation or some sort of craft that right. emitted radiation? Well, this is one theory I read in one of the great sites we'll have up is that, you know, they would play this game where the CIA, since they could not get in there, even with Russian-speaking agents helping out uh, the Americans – is that they would employ Russian citizens who are willing to help out capitalists and get them to go find a piece of clothing that's irradiated. That way we can tell that this area may be developing nuclear weapons. And so they would want to bring back some piece of evidence. They would do an exchange of some kind of drop with them. And they think that's one theory is that one of these guys 
was bringing back an irradiated piece of clothing. Now, the other, the flip side of that is the KGB knew this, so sometimes they would plant some false leads. Right. So they would, the CIA would now start looking in an area that had no nuclear development or testing going on. Right. And uh, so there's this little cat and mouse game going on. They think, okay, that's one theory. By the way, a, yeah. a quick aside, there are many people that believe that cattle mutilations are black ops teams attempting to harvest eye and tongue tissue from cows to determine if there is residual nuclear fallout from all the testing that went on in the 50s and 60s in the Southwest. And that's why the mutilations are taking place in certain parts of the country, including places that we have direct access to and maybe working on a story about in Southern Colorado. Wave of mutilation. But there's... Anyway, so one character... Another pixie song? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. Again, that's another thing I'm trying to work in. Every show, the oldest hiker in the group... Sasha or Alexander Zolotaryov, or also Simon. Sim, Simon. Yes, yeah, Simon. Simon Zolotaryov. He was thirty-seven. Zol- yes, he was thirty-seven years old. Now he was the stranger in the group. Okay, but right. a nice Brought guy. In at the last minute because he supposedly couldn't hook up with the original group. Couldn't he coordinate with his own group. Igor brought him in at the last minute and yeah. said. Igor Dyatlov and said, hey, you know, and then he hit it off with everybody and singing and dancing or whatever, which is something that another thing that Tess had mentioned was uh, maybe that was all a put on to get ingratiated. (laughs) I mean, Spycraft, he's a World War II vet. He's got, you know. Yeah, that's the guy we were hinting at earlier. He was that crazy unit that no one lives in. Right. Somehow he lives. This is our Mel Gibson lethal weapon character. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's a, yeah, but what a, a better guy for an agent. He gets four medals for somebody who is a Cossack in a region that they don't give any recognition to. There's only things that don't add up, but what it makes it look like is that he was plucked out by the KGB for special missions. Yes. And so that's the connection to this group. Now, what I believe is that I don't doubt that if Igor submitted his plans, his hiking plans, in an area that was sensitive for some reason, that the KGB wouldn't put an agent to go monitor them, not to wipe them out. That's another theory is that it was a hit. They all got wiped out by Spetsnaz, or, or at the time would be the uh, secret forces that would plan to like, these guys saw too much. That's yeah. the other thing. They saw too much. We must kill them all. But there's no evidence of them being shot. I think they would have ended up in a gulag somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's also, another, I'm sorry. That's another yeah, there's very gulags quick, everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah 60 we, miles away, there's yes. a gulag. They thought like, there's oh, escape, escape prisoners. prisoners. No. And it's like, they're not going to hike through the wilderness for 60 miles. To kill nine people. And not take their stuff. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, getting back to the, getting, wrap that up pretty quickly. Well handled. But it's one of those things where I could see them planning a guy, like, keep an eye on them. Now, he wasn't armed, and he also got killed, so he didn't really, you know, whatever his mission was. Now, he did leave the tent with no shoes, but something compelled him to take a camera. He took the camera, but this is my theory on why he took the camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this is out of the blue. I have nothing to base this on other than they were documenting the hell out of this trip because they all wanted to be grade three masters of sport. Right. They were taking a lot of pictures. He may have just been the guy taking the picture that night of them inside the tent it getting ready been, to have their dinner. Yeah, and that's what may, he was doing when yeah. whatever happened that scared them out of the tent yeah. happened. He, right. He may have just had it around his neck. He may have honestly been, oh, I'll take the picture tonight. Or he heard something, whatever was going on. And I could see this happening because people was like, well, he would take his shoes. If there was a Yeti outside the tent... Or orbs, or something, some kind Uh-oh. of some kind of aerial calamity going on. Roy orbs. Yeah, I might grab the camera first, and like, yeah, I'll get the shoes later. I got to get a shot of this. You know, I often walk around with my iPhone. It's like, okay, what do I have to do if I have to turn the camera on quickly? 
to see uh, Bigfoot walking down Sunset Boulevard. Well, you know, same. He's actually you're thinking about Hollywood and there's I swear there's there's probably well there's a Chewbacca I'm sure at the very least. Anyway, that's kind of the the wrap up on the spy angle. It doesn't seem to add up in a lot of areas. It's a little not that it's far fetched because this was going on, but involving this team and the way it was laid out and the failure of it. Now this ties in with the military idea though is that there was missile testing. There was a lot of scrap metal found in the area, not possibly related. Yeah, there was like some pieces of radar equipment. Also, by the way, for the record, Sasha's camera, and there's some dispute over the fact that he didn't use his real name. By the way, yes, so, right. He didn't. Um, he didn't reveal his real name to the group. So yeah. again, it's, a, it's but his camera horribly... had film in it, but it was water damaged. Oh, right. So we don't could know not, what it was. Could on. not be uh, verified. I kind of wish you could still get to that because in this day and age, you might be able to pull something out of it. Possibly, and I think that some things went missing. Yeah, on purpose. And again, not that the whole thing was horribly like we got to sweep this under the rug, or that it's the level of Roswell. But I believe there are certain tiny elements of this story that are hard to explain or cannot be explained, or not wanting to be explained by the government. Well, you're dealing with the masters of propaganda. Yeah, of course. You sequester information, not necessarily because you got caught with your pants down, because you don't know if you got caught with your pants down, or you just don't want to have to explain something that's kind of embarrassing. Anything Eh. that makes the country look bad or the government look bad, even if you're not even sure what it was. Right. You know what? Let's grab that. Oh, that's a little suspect. (laughs) Bury it. That's what I'm saying, is if they'd seen some kind of missile test that was top secret, well, guess what? Yes, they may have been forced out of the tent, but they would have been disappeared. You're not going to find a weird crime scene now that's going to raise questions. And Yuri himself, the the one survivor, we say. There were multiple Yuri's. Yes, Yuri Yudin. Yes. His thing was that the government this whole time just wanted to seem like nothing happened, which is not unusual, but it's just like, ah, you know. But then again, they, no, did, they did. And they, you know what they actually, the other yeah. thing they did was they controlled the funerals radically. Ah. They, they tried to separate, first of all, they didn't want everyone buried together. They did not want them all buried at the same time. They tried right. to restrict who could come. They tried to restrict who had open caskets. Right. They also took Sasha and somebody else. And this is why there's this thought, oh, he was a KGB agent, and then this was his handler yes. or somebody else with him. They were kept in a separate cemetery for two or three years before they right. were eventually moved to a group site. Right. They controlled all that stuff. They didn't yeah. want too many people paying attention to these deaths. Now, again, it's a national embarrassment. Maybe that's all it is. Right. You right. know, what happened here? We can't protect our own people. Yeah. We look foolish, no matter what all the other <laughs> military implications yeah. are. Again, not saying it's Yeti, but if it was, it's like, wow, I don't know. There's a lot of footprints and uh, there's a big Yeti poop here. Well, it's and that's just hard to thing, By the way, they didn't find any of that. Right. Or if they did, they yeah. buried it. Yeah, exactly. There there are, that, there's, there's that one some, crazy photo. We can't tie that yeah, to Yeah, with the anything. pickaxe. I'm not sure about that. But And also, yeah. there was an extra set of footprints down by the, the cedar tree. The cedar tree of a, an extra but person. But still, it was only nine sets of footprints total. However, right. there was also the story on the one website. Two extra people. Of a nurse on a train who told somebody, that 11 bodies were flown out. And two went away. Yeah. So So where did those two go? Speaking of flying the bodies out. Oh, yeah. This is another interesting thing here, which, again, just ties into something. The helicopter pilot, who was a captain in the uh, Russian military, 
refused to fly with the corpses unless they were in zinc-lined coffins. So yesterday, Forrest said to me, why do you line a coffin with zinc? I mean, because if it's radiation, you need lead. And right. I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So then I Googled it, and the zinc is for protection against biological agents or biological issues. It, so. it seems to tamp down a spread of biological agents. Biotoxins. Yeah. Well, you can put it on your roof as flashing. It'll it'll keep the uh, mold and mildew off your roof. Yeah. So anyway, it's an old, uh, it's an old remedy. Bob, well, there you go. Bob that's, Vila. Well, that's what the link you said was a page about how to keep that's it off true. your roof. That is yeah, true. Yeah, don't blame we me for that. We actually have yeah. a link. No, yeah. you're right. And I you can see the that. difference. And really, if I had if I had a house, I'd be using it because yeah. it looks like it works. And in any case, my point was that guys in the military who are in the know, who, do, who fly these missions, it's like the, the 160th SOA, the SOAR Regiment, yeah. the Special Operations Aviation Regiment. Those guys all have top-level high-security clearance because guess who has to take the guys who are doing the black ops to their locations. It's these pilots. So they're kind of in the know. So my point is this captain may not have known exactly what was going on or what transpired, but he may have had heard rumors or had an idea like, eh, I don't know, there's some funky testing going on around this area. And if these guys fell victim to this, I don't want any part of that. I got to fly them back. I don't want to end up with some weird toxin or or some kind of contagion on me. Yeah. So, but he held up the flying back of the bodies, right? Yeah, they had, to, they, stay, had to stay an extra day, which was another day of decomposition, as yeah. well as another day delayed in the investigation. Exactly. But he wouldn't budge on that, and he got his way, didn't he? Yes. Okay, so that's another weird thing. Yeah. And again, my point is that these guys may not know, but they have buddies and they talk. They're not going to reveal anything, but it's like, hey, stay away from, you know, call out Sokil. It's kind of yeah. dicey around there. Yeah. Okay, so now we're coming to... And again, very fringy, but it keeps coming up and it cannot be denied. And, and even Mr. Iker doesn't really deal with it in his book. And that is Scott. Orbs. Yes. Yes. Orbs. I don't even like the word orb. Like orb <laughs> no, because for me is a red flag. Yeah, well, no, because that's on the spiritual. In the territory yes. that we deal with. The ghost. That's the ghost Well, orb first of all, thing. if I see one more photograph <laughs> with a lens flare in it. Yeah. That says it's, no, it's an orb yeah. or infrared security camera showing yeah. me an orb when it's like, you know, it's an insect a foot away from the lens. Right. Okay. Right. However, this is a different these thing are different altogether. kinds of orbs. Yeah. These are big fiery balls of fiery firelight. Yes. <laughs> Seen by at least 30 people. Yes. Uh, Taking on, 15 to 20 minutes to traverse the sky. Yeah. Going around in different patterns now. And this is the thing. Non-ballistic motion in Non-ballistic motion. And so you could say like, well, it's a meteor. It's like meteors don't take that long to fall to the earth and they don't go on that trajectory. So right. the thing is, is that 30 people were interviewed and saw these lights in the sky. One family reported, though, the light was so bright coming from it that it woke up the whole family. Yeah, Much inside like the, Ch- the house. Chelbolyansk uh, meteor? Yes. And uh, was it two years ago? Yes, a couple years ago. Yeah, a couple years ago, a year and a half ago. So, but something like that, but nobody heard any giant explosions. There's one theory that it was the military was experimenting with parachute explosives, parachute mines, you might call them, or parachute grenades. Yes. That would explain the glowing, or- the orange red glowing orbs coming around. But again, nobody heard any explosions, but apparently that was happening in that area. So to me, that rules that out. You would have heard big bangs happening through the atmosphere, but nobody heard anything. So days around when they kind of disappeared, nothing, I think, exactly on the day, they think, February 2nd, maybe, yeah, when this incident happened. Well, and this is the curious thing about the orbs, and it, there's a couple of things about them. Yeah. One is in the folder of all the photos we found, we found a couple of pictures. Crazy photos. Old pictures. Yeah. And again, because the site's in Russian and we still haven't managed to drill down into it as far as we would like – 
there's a picture of a big ball of fire, clearly from the same time period. It even looks like the same kind of film. It has the same damage on the image with the black dots, which is a fungus from negatives that sit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that uh, because of uh, experience that I – weirdly, my wife and I, we used to have a, an apartment on the Upper West Side, Manhattan. And you can get in New York. It's so cool. You can contact and get these tax photos, ancient pictures. And our building was built in 1912. So I got a tax photo of our building and it had these dots all over it. And they told me, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's fungus that it got on the old film. And I could see yeah. these in this orb picture. Yeah. It looks a lot like the all the other pictures from those from oh, yeah. kids. Not saying that they saw those, but even if they did, it's another one of those things that would have been disappeared from their diary. Maybe that was in the missing diary. Maybe right. that's been sequestered. Maybe that's on the camera yeah. that disappeared. You don't know what's – yeah, you don't know what's on there. But there is one crazy photo, which which uh, you should really take a look at. And then the searchers, the rescue party, saw right. this. So this is the other thing. Yes. There and were, they were there freaked were, out. Yeah. In the, the Russian translation, it was funny because it says, this freaked out everybody. Yeah. Because they saw it happening. Hiking parties, both before and concurrently with when they were hiking in other parts of the area. Then on February 17th, which is considered to be well after they were most likely dead, multiple parties from multiple locations, many miles apart, reported seeing the exact same thing. These orbs that were like white light and then eventually they lit up orange in the middle. They, they had a mist around them. They had yeah. a, like a fog around them. They took a long time to traverse the sky, 8 to 12 minutes. Some people said 15 to 20. And this is when we get back to one of the main investigators, which I cannot believe we haven't mentioned yet, a man named uh, Ivanov. He is the man most closely associated with the Dyatlov Pass mystery. And Ivanov was a man who was proud of his reputation as being stalwart and devoted to his work. And when he was brought in to take over the operation in terms of the investigation, he initially was very forthright. But there was a time – sometime during the investigation where he went back to – I don't know if it was Moscow or he left town. And when he came back, he was a changed man. He was a lot quieter. He had removed all language relating to anything in the sky from any of the paperwork. He had that stuff all stricken from the record. Now – much like Yuri Yudin, who lived till pretty recently, Ivanov lived a long time too, a very long time. And in the 90s, he finally, I guess, felt like it was safe to talk. And he came out and said, by the way, I believe that whatever was in the sky had something to do with the deaths at Dyatlov Pass. And he said that he, he wouldn't – he stopped short of saying that they were weapons, but that he said something of – these orbs, I don't think he said the word orbs, but there were these yeah. bundles of energy yes, that are light. as yet yeah. unexplained by science. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very that's a very good definition right there. It's like – this is the same guy, by the way, that coined the expression unknown compelling force. <laughs> yeah, one of my, one of my other favorite <laughs> yeah. sayings. But yeah, you're right. This one website kind of lists the testimonies of people. And I'll just read quickly here. And it's tra I think it's translated from Russian, so forgive me if I leave out the <laughs> articles here. Pulsating orbs were seen repeatedly in January, February, and March by students, geologists, natives, and even local military. Mansi hunters camped out near Kolat Sokol claimed to have seen flying orbs near the mountain. Their testimonies were later stricken from the record. Additionally, several geologists 70 kilometers from the mountain saw some glowing and pulsating orbs flying in the direction of the Kolat Sakil on a day of tragedy. So on the evening of February 1st, these testimonies were ignored. Wait, what? Somebody saw those on uh, February 1st? Well, apparently it says – That's when they died. Yeah. Additionally, several geologists 70 kilometers from the mountain saw some glowing and pulsating orbs – I think that's incorrectly translated – 
flying in the direction of Kolyat Sakil on a day of tragedy, evening of February 1st. These testimonies were ignored. So that's what I'm saying. You're not hearing all the testimony. You're not hearing all the bits, people who, what, uh, what they saw. Now, nobody saw it directly. But, th- okay, now I'm going to make a connection here Where and kind of wrap this that? up. This is on that, that really comprehensive website oh, that was in Russian. The site. Is it? The archived one? Is it? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, it's yeah. really comprehensive. Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny because it, it, you could read it with a fake Russian accent and it sounds perfect because it's yeah. been translated by Google. Yeah. But it will give you the information. That's why I recommend checking it out if you're really into this because it's, it's got everything. It's got a lot of stuff in it. I thought and, I was um, into this before. I'm way more into it now. It's just like, more and more questions and All right, so what, what are the orbs? What well, could no. the orbs Okay, I'm going to make a, right, I'm gonna make a little connection. Technology? Possibly. And this is the connection I'm going to make. And I thought about this just a, a day or two ago, is that it's probably not alien. That's another thing. They were chased and attacked by aliens, this and that, crushed, you know, whatever. Again, not simply the MO, usually of, of aliens. I don't know. The connection I'm going to make is that... There's nothing like coming up with an MO for something you don't necessarily... You don't have no... <laughs> who's going to prove me wrong? <laughs> aliens don't behave like that. I, you know, well, yeah. no, there's people no, who, like who do know. A friend of mine, his name's Fred. He would hey, never do you that. Know the Fred, the, 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 the name, yeah, the name on the triangle at the bottom of the pit. Yeah. Yes, thanks, T-Dub. Anyway, so my point being is that in World War II, later in the years of the war... English and American fighter pilots were reporting being chased by glowing orange orbs moving at high rates of speed that they could not engage with. They shot at them. No effect. Foo Fighters. And that's where some of the terms come. Now, they weren't all glowing orange orbs. I think some were actually saucer types. But the general term used by the fighter pilots, I think from originally it came from a comic strip. That's another story altogether. But oh, yeah, yeah, that's but, right. uh, but yeah, it's now. the term they came up with was Foo Fighters, later to be the name of a great band by Dave Grohl. So, which he regrets, I think, to this, to this day, having called you know, them. I that. see him all the time. Oh, do you? Yeah, you should, should ask, ask him. him yeah, you should. Yeah. At the Gelsons, there. Pretty nice guy. Yeah, no, but the point is that they thought at the time that this was German technology. That some of the most brilliant rocket scientists in the world, the minds of these German scientists were developing towards the end of the war, along with V-2 rockets and the Nazi bell, all these other crazy, wacky things. But these are some very brilliant people. Now, you've heard of Operation Paperclip, haven't you? Yeah, but I can't remember why. Well, what it it was is the fall of Germany there. Now you have all these really brilliant people running around loose that you want on your side to develop your weapons and rocketry and possibly nuclear weapons. So there was a huge race, and Operation Paperclip was the American version of, like, we got to round these guys up, like, quickly and convince them, you know, or not, or just make them come with us to get them in as quickly as possible. Well, guess what? The Russians are doing this, too. Right. So I think it's roughly about – we got about half of them. They got half of these brilliant scientists. I think I'd rather be with the Americans personally. That's just me. Yeah. They go to Russia, and guess what? They're working on the same things. And uh, my connection is that if these orbs were some kind of new zero-point energy – or zero point craft, which I improperly explained last time. Yes, your and still favorite cannot term do to throw out. I cannot <laughs> look that it up. It's like, ooh, it's still pretty complicated. <laughs> we'll get to it. It's a whole, it's a whole book and a whole great subject. Yeah. We'll do a show on. Yeah. Uh, but I need to read the book again. Yeah. Uh, so, point being is that this was reported the same type of things: glowing orange orbs traveling through the sky, non ballistic motion, and either high rates of speed or very slowly. But under some kind of intelligent control, that's another big factor Scott loves to say, too, under intelligent control. And that's maybe what they were seeing is that some kind of experiment. Now, I'm not saying – Yeah, I'm not saying – I I hear you on this. Mm -hmm. And based on everything that I've read and everything that we've researched, 
I think it's entirely possible that these orbs were present. My question is, does that induce a crap your pants <laughs> panic moment or is it more of a sense of wonder? I think what happened is that several people died of massive concussive force, in my estimation, and I believe the uh, the coroners as well. Crushing kind of injuries you would find in a car wreck, remember? Yeah. Okay, with no external contusions. Yeah. Uh, except for the one gal who, who fell, got smashed up uh, in the ravine. Yeah. So what happens, though, is that you have these weird injuries to some of them. And the relatives reported seeing an orange, weird brown tan. They described them as people of uh, possibly of African descent. These are Russians. And they have this weird orange glow and, and gray hair. Now, some people have said that's just from oh, yeah, decomp. The hair had turned white. I forgot The hair had turned that. white. Some, you know, they said, well, that's decomposition naturally over months in the snow. But then it also happens when you see something shocking. People in car crashes, getting back to that, sometimes their hair turns white. There's just weird phenomenon that's happening. And I'm not saying that it's a crap your pants, get out of the tent moment. But maybe there was an explosion, some kind of mishap. I don't know. All I'm saying is that I don't think orbs... And not to be not paranormal in any way, but some kind of scientific experiment went awry or something bad happened and resulted in this mishap. Because the mishap is, again, not happening to all of them all at once, but something freaked them out. They got out of the tent to flee. And what really killed most of them was hypothermia. Yes, Except for three of them, or four, right. which had crushing internal injuries and organ damage, and nobody, of course, knows where the organs are. Yeah, well, they were flown back on the helicopter, and poor yeah. Yuri Yudin had to, had to sit, ride had on to the sit with them. With them yeah, exactly. Which is the most horrific thing I can possibly imagine, know, he's flying back with his friend's internal organs. Yeah, it's, it's awful. But that would explain some of the cover-up. Is this like nothing horrible, nothing UFO or alien, but technology being experimented on, people in the wrong place at the wrong time. Something injures some of them, and the government is not like, well, we've got to disappear all these guys. We'll just let it go, but we're not going to tell you everything about it because we don't really want to have to explain everything. Anyway, so that's – I don't know. But that's – again, there's just more questions. There are more questions, and it's time for us to come to our conclusions yes. on this one. This is a section for this particular one that I've been dreading. Not dreading, but just yeah. – I don't, just have none. <laughs> I right? don't have a conclusion. And yeah. one of the things that we like to do on this show is we like to say, hey, you know what? We've looked at all this and this is what we think. That's how we felt about Amelia Earhart. I felt pretty comfortable about where we got on that series that we did on her. Oak Island, nothing definitive, but we came out of it feeling like, yeah, yeah we believe that something serious is going on there. <laughs> there's, there's, you know what? That's the thing because you, you, you weird – even this weird balance of like not yeah. enough evidence. Yeah. But possibilities. Yeah. And here it's like possibilities with lots of evidence and, and fewer answers almost. You know? I so can't. It's weird. I don't know. I feel so bad for these kids. They seemed – they were so much in the prime of their lives. It's, look, it's a horrible it's way so to so much die. to offer the world yeah. and they were all just gone and and I really can't understand what happened to them. What would make – these people want to leave this tent like that. See, I, that's the thing. I think you hit on one thing. Look, mountaineering accidents happen all the time, and they're tragic, and they're horrible, and it's it's not a greatest way to die. Again, that the movie coming up will kind of explain that, but that this happens quite a bit when you're out in the woods. It's a dangerous prospect. It's beautiful. It's soul-reviving, but it can be very dangerous, and people can die. <laughs> Thank you.
that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in three weeks on October 9th with a new show. Our research department is Tess Feifel. Our theme was composed by Judson Crane and our sound design by Ryan McCullough. Thanks to Jim Creative Design for our logo. Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at AstonishingLegends.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Copyright Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Good night. Thank you.